0: Right. I think we should, at the beginning of the show, have a tone. Just a solid tone. As our, as our intro? That intros, and then we deliver important legal-related information. Okay. And then there's another tone.
1: This has a very World War II yeah. kind of USO flavor to it. Yeah. Something like that. Or, you know, radio-free Europe or something right, like that. Right. Something yeah. Some a, kind of a beep solid or tone, BBC yeah, beep. That, that divides the uh, information
0: into the important information chunks that the listeners need to, need to get.
1: This is BBC World Service. We, can, <laughs> we have a tone and then we can do that.
0: Right, right. Yeah. What, what else you got going on, Joe? You got anything going on? You got, got any uh, uh,
1: beads in your bonnet? Mm, there are no beads in my bonnet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nor are there any bees in my bonnet. I think it's bead in the bonnet. Bee? Not Beed. bead? No, I think it's bead. Beat or bee? Well, certainly not beat. Beet. I have beets no in beets the in the I do no. love beets. I do love a good beet salad. No, I th- for it, example.
0: I think it's beads in the bonnet because those are irritating. Mm. Uh, you're not a big bonnet wearer, are you, Joe? I'm not, but I do not tend to wear the bonnet. Now, of course, bees in the bonnet would be, that would be really painful probably. Yeah. And especially if you're allergic or something, that would yeah. be bad. And then you, it's full on
1: anaphylaxis. Oy. So you don't have any of those though? Is <laughs> 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 No, I really don't. It's the beginning of semester. It's a great time. It's, uh, you know, teaching a new class and probably shouldn't tell my students that, but maybe they're not listeners. Wait, you you shouldn't tell
0: them that you're teaching a class? Oh, that it's a new class for you, you mean? Yes. Oh, okay. So you've never done it before.
1: I've never taught telecommunications before, no. Oh, so you have no experience in it. That's not true. (laughs) I do have telecommunications practice experience. Uh I do not have telecommunications teaching experience.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah yeah
1: and these are different things of course they are of course they are and in- anything else
0: you wanna nothing else should we get on with the show sure what are you
1: angling for something in particular no I'm just I'm trying to see if anything's gonna come out I, I feel like I need a beverage or something huh okay what kind of beverage would you like we can hit pause is there a pause button nope No, oh. gotta hmm. keep going hey, we could
0: go get beverages but there'll be a lot of dead air
1: <laughs> can't we cut that out
0: no, can't cut anything
1: out. Oh, it's a new crap. editing rig. Oh, crap, it's all this got to bad stay. Bad software, man. Boy, this is a, this is our worst show yet so far. I think so. <laughs> I think it's really shaping up. Uh, I it's because we don't have a guest, so we're, we we lack a sense of discipline, good order. Yeah, but
0: you would think that would be like,
1: um, you know, no guest,
0: just you and me. Grades are all in. Yeah, you grading. You feel like it's like you know, mm. like you're in a Cadillac, wide lanes. Yeah clear horizons let's chat what do we have to say but it's all it's all good turns out i'm still kind of tired mm. i always complain you know, you know the number of episodes i complain i'm tired at the beginning of them a lot yeah Why? Is especially that lately but i'm not that kind of person apparently you are yeah see this is the thing this is, this is a the way thing. to reveal you think you're not that kind of person and then you hear yourself reflected and you right. realize and boy it, i'm a jerk
1: yeah and it reveals truths yeah so it's a mirror deep uncomfortable truths the podcasting is a mirror isn't My that, friend, isn't that a Velvet Underground song? I don't know. Is mm. it? I doubt it. Mm, I don't know. Through a glass, darkly. Uh, mur, mur, mur. <laughs> this is the BBC World <laughs> Service. That was our tone. <laughs> it's, I just can we sample that later. I can't believe
0: we're going to put this show out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to this one a few times
1: before we put it out. Oh no not so i almost never do anymore you're not a listener oh i listen once it's posted sure because i like to listen to it at a at an increased rate of speed and the only way to do that is to listen to it through the overcast podcast app Oh right! So I have to listen to it after mean, it's been posted, and by that, of course, you mean
0: uh, the, re- eliminate the silences because lots of podcast apps let you listen at like two x speed, but they don't—they're not. All, yeah, they but don't that's sound too good. fast. Yeah. So I
1: don't—I don't like that. I like it to be you know a little bit faster than one, and I like it to get rid of the dead space. Yeah, and yeah. Overcast does both those things. Yeah, Overcast. You, you eliminate silences. What do they call? It? They call it something special. Dynamic, right? something or other. And that's no. the EQ thing,
0: but I don't use that. Um, but then I usually hit it one one notch past 1x. 1.1x or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Not not for this show. For this show 1x. Oh, okay. And, cool. And leave in all the silences. Neat. Cuz the show really exists between the spaces. Joe. It's like it's like the fence is between the pickets. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But for all the other shows. Lesser podcasts. <laughs> I listen to some really good podcasts. I wish we could be like those sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, you told me you started listening to Judge John Hodgman.
1: Love it. Isn't, Absolutely love it. Yeah. Isn't he good? At first, I thought that that he was someone who's almost as wise as you, and I found that a little alarming. But but now I realize he's many, many, many orders of magnitude more wise than you. <laughs> Is this based it's on your experience? become more with- clear lately. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because you've spent more time with me not because you've listened more to him and it's a combination <laughs> it's an overdetermined phenomenon <laughs> he is very wise extremely in addition to being very funny he's yeah. extremely wise you are also funny and wise uh, Less so but he both has you beat in the wisdom department like hands down you think so huh but totally <laughs> is this the way we're going to treat each other in the new year so I would recommend that you not look it's you know it's a mirror dude <laughs> um, don't hold it up if you don't want to see. Uh, so I would not, for example, I could not recommend to you that you have a a Judge Christian Turner show. You don't think so? I do not think that would go well. <laughs> do you think I'd give bad advice? What is this? It's, well, I think so it's, really I, this is I think a- your your advice would be of of such mm, questionable value and or inconsistent <laughs> value. Uh, that I think you would have a very poor pool of disputes. <laughs> um, so, you know, it would be a downward spiral, honestly. Because <laughs> part of why he gets such great disputes is the high quality of his judging. Mm-hmm. It's like the good old days mm-hmm. or the battle days, depending on your point of view. Yeah, he's. Uh uh, I, for people who haven't heard it, it's it's basically it's almost
0: like an advice show. It's so awesome, but it's um and of course the the pretense is that he's a judge and what he continuously calls a fake internet courtroom. He's a yes. fake internet judge, right? And people bring their disputes. You know things like um, oh I don't know. What, see, now that I say it, I can't remember a single episode. You know, there's the one with the bat guys is the one who lots of weird dads where make weird dads stop doing this. And yeah, make,
1: lately it's been um, you know promises between friends or romantic partners to you know i will read a book by such and such a date oh or, yeah that was this week right you know i yeah. will i will go uh, to see a, this concert um by such and such a time or right. something like that um and so i love his sense of contract about uh, and essentially he's sort of reproducing um the uh, a notion of consideration that he doesn't want to enforce a promise when there hasn't been a real trade of plus and minus on both sides, which is interesting. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. I would encourage everyone who loves our show to listen to judge John Hodgman podcast. Hmm. There's a British cultural one called Kraken K R A K E N, which is kind of fun. I've been starting to listen to that. This is how could you
0: have a whole bunch of shows about that?
1: What? I just doesn't seem like you could have that many shows about the Kraken. No, it's just the title dude. Oh, I thought it was all about the mythological beast. No, it is not restricted to that. That is merely the name. Hmm. Much as our name does not restrict us to discussing oral arguments that have happened.
0: No, but it's it's pretty much just you and me arguing. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Orally. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, why don't we talk about feedback? Josh Stein at Law History on, on Twitter. Um... Uh, found us he found the episode we did with tom goldstein on oral argument and you know. we talked about his paper
1: on tentative oral opinions. on tentative oral opinions yeah. i think this is the first like citation to us as a place to find something legally interesting this is a <laughs> landmark <laughs> this is a landmark tweet yeah 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 this yeah. is a tweet for the history books of well he tweets. found himself he found himself on uh, self-citation on is a well-established time-honored practice in the legal academy yeah yeah, and it's um, and it's it's a really cool little article that he had. It uh, is, which is why we linked to it and, and talked yeah, about it. Yeah, mentioned it. Yeah, and and Neat.
0: that was an interesting show too with Tom Goldstein. It was. That's but that's for the back catalog. You know, every every um, oh I I know uh, every month, every single one of our shows is downloaded at least twice, usually you know, and and the closer you get to now, a lot more. But yeah. But we've—I don't think we've ever had a month where one of our shows has gone undownloaded. So the whole back kind of cool. Yeah, there are like forty-something shows in there. Yeah, and so every—you know—people are going all the way back to episode zero, one, and two. Which is neat. Yeah, yeah. So if you get if if you're cited on the show, you become immortal. Speaking of the kraken, indeed. Mm -hmm. Release the kraken. The other thing, the other bit of thing, the other thing I found out because I just upgraded our account on the. the place that hosts our audio files, Joe, mm-hmm. I probably will upgrade it cause we don't really need it, but you get, you get better stats when you, uh, when you upgrade. Oh, I, I found better out we, analytics. Yeah. Analytics. And you know, it's kind of interesting to see we, we have been, um, downloaded in every state in the union, save one. Whoa. Did you know that? Uh, no. And a bunch of other countries, but in the, in America, every state except for
1: one. Wow. Now, if the one that hasn't downloaded any of our episodes is the state of Georgia, that's going to be embarrassing. No, no, that's where we're located. Yeah, we're, we're that would be quite an indictment. That's our home office, the home office of oral argument. Yes, yeah, oral in the state argument of Georgia. headquarters. Yeah, no, no. is in the state of Georgia. No, that's not it. That's not it. Do you want to guess again? Uh, I think you. Now that this is all coming back to me, I think you might have mentioned this. To okay, me. so Nebraska. Nope. North nope. Dakota. North Dakota. Oh, North Dakota. But to be fair,
0: I don't I'm just not I don't, I don't know. A hundred percent. They may uh, not have the internet. They may not have the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't you know. So mm. you don't want to you don't want to rag on somebody if it turns out that they just don't.
1: Right. You know, just, Although just, the virtue will be they'll never know about it <laughs> because apparently they can't hear us yet. there. <laughs> If, now uh, maybe someone will drive through North Dakota with our an episode of our podcast on their iPhone or something. Well, but they have and, to download it
0: there, or we won't ever know.
1: No, but not that I'm saying they will have had it already. They'll be driving through. Maybe someone will hear it. Oh, I was yeah. Cause maybe it's already been listened to in North Dakota, even though it hasn't been downloaded there. Even though it hasn't there. been downloaded there. Yeah, occasionally other people do wander into North Dakota yeah. for some period of time. I um, don't think it's entirely depopulated.
0: It's a little. I think it's fair though, because I think North Dakota is the only state that I haven't been to.
1: Oh, maybe that's why no one's downloading. It. I we need to do a tour. Can we can we crash into the oral argument slush fund and purchase an <laughs> airline ticket to send to North you on a goodwill tour? The, the other thing, they may not have speed traps in North Dakota
0: for all we know. So um, we may not we
1: may not be like sort of our our core audience. Our wheelhouse. Yeah, we're yeah. not kind of. People who really are crying yeah. out for expertise in speed drop law. I just
0: thought about this as we were saying it. Maybe we should do an oral argument tour. Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't it, be fun, do- wouldn't it be fun to go out to uh, California to Pepperdine and, and with uh, listener Mueller out there?
1: Absolutely. And, and do We a, need to do, do, do a, do a goodwill tour. Look, if it's good enough for Ava Perone, it's good enough for us. <laughs> she did a goodwill tour. So should d- we. Is that the, I don't think that's the same thing. What do you mean? I, well, okay. Okay.
0: What we if if you would like to have oral argument come to your hometown? Watch out, Buenos Aires. Look, I don't I don't understand. Get in touch. That's all I'm saying. Get in touch if you want.
1: I don't think we need a full parade or anything, do we, Joe? I know. No. people We'd probably rather not have that. No. Nor do we need to marry a South American strongman. You're being too literal. What I'm saying is, we could go on a goodwill tour. No, I was actually telling people, don't worry about getting the mayor
0: and the big open cars and having a parade oh I can understand you don't what have people, to do that if you don't want to i, I
1: understand why people might right. feel they but need to do that but you do don't do have to do that we will we just don't come, have to be given the keys to every city that we go to
0: we'll just come to your law school and and
1: in front of a live studio audience we'll record an episode of oral argument absolutely featuring whatever prominent persons are interested in appearing at your location mm-hmm. <laughs> write us and let us know if you want us to come to your law school and, of course, we are going to have, what do they call those things the celebrities have that have the list of all the things they need in their hotel room. Oh, rooms? absolutely. Of course, we'll have that. We're going to get to work on that as soon as we're done recording today. Yeah. Like, I think we can just start by editing Richard Stallman's. It's our bill of particulars. <laughs> do not talk to me. Address all your comments to my parrot. <laughs> I love it. And the- I will eat only green M&Ms. <laughs> I love I love it. We, we didn't
0: miss a beat, and you knew immediately what I was talking about. Of course. Should we throw his that thing up? I don't know if, can <laughs> if find We it. can find a link to it. We absolutely should. Yeah. Richard Stallman of Free Software of Fame has,
1: has quite a list, I would say, of, of demands. I mean, he is a brilliant man who has contributed a lot to the good effect of the rest of us in the world, I believe. Um, but what, my recollection of some of those requests is that he is also, shall we say, a little idiosyncratic. mm A little offbeat. So we also got some feedback by way of Twitter from Sam. And he was asking us about our serial episode, which was such a great episode. That was so much fun. We had great conversations with folks. Um, But he was asking us how we feel by way of follow-up about the interviews with Jay that were released by... uh, Some other media outlet. I think it's called Intercept.
0: Yeah, the Intercept or something like that. I Um, saw those, yeah.
1: Yeah, and did we have any comments on that? Uh, And then you had sent a responsive tweet uh, about the fact that we certainly haven't exhausted all there is to say, uh, even if those interviews with Jay had not occurred. Um, So there's certainly more one could say, but we... We're yeah, agnostic you, on whether we were going to say anything did about Did you read it. them? I did not. I heard – what I heard was a discussion – fact, a discussion on two different podcasts. Yeah. Um, both of which are Slate properties, I think. So we'll uh, put those in the show notes. Reacting to the interviews with Jay. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and they, of course, in the midst of commenting on them, they described some of what he said. I also read a little piece – by uh by ezra klein on vox about his take on the jay interviews mm-hmm. I never not actually got around to read after that at that point i sort of felt like uh do i want to read them uh i'm not sure probably not you know what i do want to recommend people read what's that i think it's kind of amazing yeah um and kind of a, a credit to to lawyers uh as a group um there is a lawyer named susan Simpson who has a blog called The View from LL2. It's at viewfromll2.com. And she has been commenting on Serial and on the case that is the focus of Serial. And so, for example, today she posted, because Intercept has not only done the interviews with Jay, they've also now interviewed the prosecutor in the case. Oh, really? And they're starting to release those interviews. And she writes these, and has been for a while now, these extensive commentaries with all sorts of additional material that she has pulled up from the trial record. She's created cell phone coverage maps. She's done amazing, amazing stuff. And so if you are a person who loves serial and, and is looking for more reading material, you've probably already found her. Yeah. Honestly, because I think people have come to recognize she's doing such amazing work commenting on and building out the the sort of the information you can learn about the case uh, on her blog that i would just point people to that and say wow look at what a person can do
0: yeah i've um i did uh i did read the jay interview at least parts of them i think i think there were three okay i did read them um i don't i don't remember them in detail and kind of thing where if we had a guest on, maybe we'll talk about this again at some point in the future. But I don't know what I, else I have to say, you know, about um, – because there are people who are much deeper into this than I am, I think. Yeah. Who, kind of well, grow- and me. I'm much deeper into it than I am. Yeah. Needless to say, I've not been on the serial Reddit, Joe. Yeah, spinning up yarns and theories.
1: <laughs> I will say this, um, that – because I think it touches on a the theme that we did elaborate on in our own discussions about serial with our different guests is that hearing that Jay's story has changed again in some significant details, um, sort of underscored for me that, uh, this was a case where it sounded to me like reasonable doubt really had been achieved Mm fairly, fairly, Demonstrably and graphically, yeah, and the kind of producing in me an incomprehension about the conviction, right? um Now, and of course, yes, you know, yada yada yada. I get it. It's this is years later, and uh, of course, what he said now isn't what he said. Blah, 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 I understand all that. I'm not a moron, um, but it, it's just worrying about what it meant at the time for people to think that. Amidst all the lies, it was already apparent he had told, uh, even within the proceeding itself, uh, mm-hmm. t- that to convict—very troubling.
0: I, I agree. I, you know, I think I—I I don't have much to add to what I said last week at this point. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people liked it. As we get more feedback on that show, maybe it's something we can think about with having other people on and we can we can dig back into it. But I agree with you. I mean, that's that's essentially the reaction that I had to. Um, and we we got a feed. We we do have a bit of feedback about reasonable doubt coming up, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, do we want to do the next one? No, I just did one. I said, "We do we want to do the next
2: one?" Yeah. Uh, this one is um,
0: right in our wheelhouse. This was great. From uh, on Twitter, we heard from let's let's just call him a co-host. Co-host uh, Anthony Kreis. <laughs> occasional co-host yeah he was on our serial show and he, he was. was and he uh an episode of his own the yep.
1: uh, firehose of equality episode. he will no doubt be a guest again oh sure i think there's i think we can say that with a fairly high degree of certainty yeah 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 i'm, I'm sure he'll be on again and uh he he tweets us
0: with um quite a story uh, in the orlando sentinel yeah a story from yet just yesterday here's the headline joe lawsuits by drivers ticketed for flashing headlights produce change comma no money Mm. you get it i do change is money you get that yeah yeah i see what they did there yeah yeah um but but can you believe it there's there's a practice and maybe we got to get these guys on the show but there, there has a, a practice which has devoted itself. I don't know devote. That may
1: be too strong. I think they do other things too. Yeah. Well, although, but they saw an maybe opportunity. Maybe one day. Though. Maybe they, one day <laughs> they saw an opportunity for some impact litigation. Yeah, I'll just here's the
0: topic. And I, they took the opportunity, as you can see, Joe. I, you know, I pulled this up a while back when when we first got the tweet and read it. Yeah. And now I've pulled it up again, and of course, what do I hit? I don't know. You see, can you not? Well, of course, you can't see because there's a large thing there saying you've reached your limit of premium things on oh, the site. Rats! Yeah, it's you know, it's if a newspaper is not trying to get actually, you know, what it is, it's local TV sites, Lo- local TV stations' websites routinely try to get my location. Oh. Those are the ones I always have to hit no when it says it's asking for your location. Okay, yeah, and and this is what news sites are doing. Other, you know, maybe we'll have a show one day about the about. Newspapers and business models and everything else. So I'm not going to blame them for trying to, but I can't. I've got to read around the site. I can still read the article, joe Okay. Uh, a father and son team of, do you know how to pronounce this place? Oviedo? O- Oviedo? Oviedo? I'd never heard of it. O V I E D O. Lawyers set out in 2011 to stop cops from ticketing drivers who flash their headlights to warn oncoming drivers of speed traps. They got the law changed, but lost a pair of lawsuits designed for, for uh, designed to force law enforcement agencies to pay for violating the free speech rights of those who were ticketed. And then the, the quote, the lawyer going to say to say that he thinks it's a victory for First Amendment rights. So, so they were able to go to court and basically get the get the practice stopped, get it overturned. Uh, but it sounds like they weren't able to get damages. I guess through civil rights suits. I don't know. The I didn't. Um, I I can't read the whole thing right here right now. But I, I
1: that's my memory of it. Would you, did you take a look at this too, Joe? I did, and that and you you are correct in in your uh, memory and your summary. Uh, they uh, eventually, what the story reports is that the Florida legislature rewrote the uh, relevant statutes to make it clear, as a matter of state law, that drivers have the right to flash their headlights as a means of communication to other drivers. Um. Which is the legal proposition for which they were fighting in their lawsuits? In any event, and the, and those, you know, that new statute sort of superseded the lawsuits.
0: Uh, the 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 final lines of this article, I think I'll just uh, I'll just read that. The upshot of both cases, said Jones, is that the law was changed in favor of motorists. And and you like this quote? This is why I'm reading it because oh, it okay. captures a little bit of Joe Miller in here. Oh, nice. Currently, it is legal to flash your headlights at other motorists, Kentner said. There should be no controversy in this. You're slowing people down. You're communicating. Said when I've made many times. Said Debavoice, and who's a Voice in here? I, I, uh, but I, I got to read this, even though I'm not sure who. The, uh, uh, here, here's here's the quote from Debavoice: "You can flash until your heart's content." Nice. And that's how the article ends. Right? Are you calling me a flasher? No, I, I read. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know, 2015 can bring new things and new that's insight true. into you. You've decided that I'm much less wise than you at maybe one time were deluded into thinking. And Relative maybe, to John Hodgman. Maybe I will let's learn be other precise. things. precise. Maybe I will learn other things. You know, maybe I'll learn some things about you this year, Joe. Could be. Yeah. Maybe on this show.
1: You never know. Y- you, don't, you don't know. You think you know someone. Here's what you won't learn. What <laughs> you won't learn is that I've changed my name from something other than Joe. <laughs> so as much as I appreciate the help you're trying to give me by using my name... Very frequently, it's really not necessary. Uh, We could get feedback on that. I'm neither suffering any form of dementia, Mm -hmm. nor exceptionally forgetful for some other reason, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nor contemplating a name change.
0: So, listeners, if you think I use Joe's name too much, uh, give us some feedback. If you if you think that Joe has found an odd thing to be uh, annoyed at, then you give us feedback on that too. (laughs) Because I think this should be up to the listeners,
1: don't you? No, hmm. I don't think that at all. Well, but it may be, it may be like a mirror for you though, Joe. That's true. Hold up the mirror. Hold up the mirror. Don't hold it up if you don't like what you see
0: in there. Yeah, give give us a mirror. Let us know uh, what you think. We got a really
1: nice note. This is a lovely note. The note from Adam. Yeah, friend of the show, Adam. Adam. Yeah, friend of the show. Yeah, and it was, and terrific. Do you, do you it was a great re- way to ring out the new year. Yeah. It was a December thirty first note. So it was a wonderful like New Year's Eve ring out the new year, ring out the old year ring in the new year note. Yeah, it's the kind of
0: note that makes you want to keep doing the
1: show. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, you want, you want to read
1: it? Oh, sure. I can read it. Joe and Christian. Wait, let me stop you there. Notice he used the he used your name. He did use my name. That was as a you know it's a traditional way to open an email communication. Mm-hmm. Dear so and so or so and so. But you,
0: in other words, you would think it weird if he did that, and then somewhere in the middle of the email, he used the word
1: the name Joe again, or even two or three times. <laughs> in very in just a few lines yeah that would seem a bit (laughs) excessive it would seem weird wouldn't it It okay slightly stalkery joe and christian uh love the serial episode even though i've never heard serial you're getting so this sounds a little this is i feel a little bad that we're reading this because it's so self-congratulatory for us to be reading it as opposed to him writing it which was wonderful and generous and fantastic but the fact that we're reading it makes us seem a little bit all right, so so stop reading. No, I'm going to keep reading. I just want to acknowledge that we're being a little douchey about it. Oh. Um, you're getting so good that I'll listen to whatever you have to say. even to, So he's actually still listening right now. We don't is, know that. Yeah, well, you're right. You we, we, we might have tested this. <laughs> we might have falsified this that's assertion. That's why I wanted you to read this one because I think um, – It could be yeah. we're finally making it untrue. Yeah. You're getting so good I'll listen to whatever you have to say, even to three episodes on federal courts. What is it with people mocking the federal government? They're, he's not mocking it. I think... Even three episodes. So he'll listen even well, to that. We had really, we had three really good guests on that. They're fantastic. And, and that... I, even I think, Nicholas Georgiakopoulos, though, is can't resist the dig on federal courts. <laughs> but, but but let me proceed. No specific feedback for now. Just wanted to say thanks for taking the time to make these shows. Hear you in 2015. It does take a, an enormous amount of time. And listeners, you have no idea. You think it takes me time? It takes me no time at all. It takes Christian oodles more time. Then it takes me. Yeah. So it takes a lot of time. It does. It takes... I got to edit in all those extra Joes that I throw into the show. Absolutely, And all the show notes, which are also just littered with my name for some bizarre reason. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just crazy. But we do it. It's a labor of love. Do you know I'm going to change the name of the show to Oral Joe Argument? That's... I think that's a very bad idea. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) I think... I
0: do think we need to get your name in the show, though. I think that'll help us break through...
1: (laughs) Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, so awful. So listener Andrew um, was giving us feedback about our wonderful episode about Judge Edwards uh, and his critique of legal scholarship. And he was noting, uh, listener Andrew uh, made the excellent point that, um, you know, citations to law review pieces in opinions uh, is a an underestimate of their utility uh even on a narrow understanding of utility because uh law clerks which is a population we didn't really talk about. We talked about people new to an issue or new to practice, and you might look up to get a sort of a very quick hit on where things are in an area of law. And law review pieces can be really good for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and he makes the point that, you know, when you're a law clerk, you often might want to do that as well. And so just as for a young lawyer not working for a judge, uh, a law clerk who is working for a judge might, Actually, use law review articles quite a bit and in a way that wouldn't necessarily make them germane for citing in an opinion or yeah. citing even in a bench memo to a judge. So he right. makes the very interesting observation that uh, Judge Edwards's clerks probably think a lot more of law reviews than Judge Edwards does. Right. Because they probably looked at them quite a bit. Um, I certainly remember doing that when I was a judicial law clerk. Yeah, you look at them, you don't necessarily cite them, but you look at them. Right. Yeah. Because they're really helpful, they help orient you. In a set of arguments, in a set of cases, a set of issues, a set of statutes, a set of regulations, um, and he's careful to say that he thinks that 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 that
0: that point is that the word "useful" has to be you know that they they, they are useful in the traditional sense of providing right. a direct, but uh, but he's even, also careful to say that there are other senses of useful, of that, course, and um, and he so, doesn't but even mean if to. you
1: take that even if you take that narrow view of utility, you would find. If, if you're looking around for evidence that they are useful, and you're saying to yourself, "Well, if they're not cited in judicial opinions, they're not useful," it's like, wait a minute, that's you're making a big assumption about uh, w- whether they could be useful in a, in ways that would not evidence themselves for that particular right. sign in the world. Yep. And the answer is yes. So, I think we're down to the last bit of feedback, and it's the biggest by far. Why don't we just have him on the show today? <laughs> I don't know. We've mentioned having him on the show, haven't we? Yeah, we have. This is uh,
0: listener Nicholas. I don't even know how to start with this one. Although, uh, let, let's just say this, though. Um, we got together this morning to record this morning. We did. Uh, had some, you know, just blowing out the cobwebs in the machine and, and took a while with that, which irritated you to begin with. And then, um, getting ready, you know, to, to record, we I start to look at this email from... Nicholas Georgikopoulos. Yes. Having had read it a while back um, and thinking about it, and we we started to talk about it a little bit. I started to think about it some more because there were parts of it I didn't quite understand and eventually became clear that we weren't going to record this morning. True. You had other stuff to do. True. And. But but that's virtually a truism. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Meaning you can always say you had other stuff to do. I always, in fact, have other stuff to do. Of course. It's not merely a thing I am saying. I I, I believe you. I don't, I don't disbelieve you. Uh, But,
0: but this email really made me think, and I spent a a good chunk of the afternoon kind of going through it and, and, um, and doing my own calculations and things. And and we'll talk about that
1: in in a second. But uh, it was a serial inspired email from him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the email kind of comes in two parts. Do you want to
1: do you do you have any summary of this? Uh, My reaction when I first read it was that uh, he was making some interesting points about how the probabilities of various components of criminal prosecutions interact Mm -hmm. Um, and that uh, you could focus if you wanted on just the problems in criminal justice with death penalty cases. but but actually, the problems may be much more pervasive than that, right? Um, and that one of those problems is thinking about the standard used to evaluate guilt or not guilt. Yeah, so the beyond he, a reasonable doubt standard.
0: And because he, he was writing a reaction to, this is kind of a, a a little bit of a tug of war we had with Dahlia uh, on that serial show. Yeah,
1: very minor,
0: though. Of course, it's very minor because she, you know, it, it was, was very like, fleeting. Of, of course, but but. Um, she wanted to talk about, I think, uh, or 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 thinks that the focus or a focus, see, I'm even hesitating about this. But the question is, you know, where do you start with the problem of innocent people going to jail and systemic bias? And like, where do you get started? And she was trying to say there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. There's stuff that we know. You know, Brandon Garrett, for example, has been a, yeah. a real leader on right. on highlighting some of these things and, yes. things and making it, you know, more publicly accessible and more and part of the part of the, an integral part of the public consciousness just to know that eyewitness testimony is unreliable various kinds of racial biases in the system uh the problem of um coerced confessions i mean there, there's a lot now that people know even if they don't know all the details mm-hmm. that um that ma- maybe they didn't before or maybe at least it wasn't at the um wouldn't be as at the tips of people's tongues as it as it is now mm-hmm. uh and 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 I think one of the things Dolly was trying to say is, look, if you're worried about these kinds of problems, there's a lot that we know that we could do now that would fix a lot of these problems. And so let's do that. And 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 um, Nicholas's email was that that's, of course, true. He says, I don't disagree with any of that. But there's also this problem of kind of the standard, the standard by which pol- the standard police use to bring someone in to trial or the prosecutors use to bring someone to trial and the, and the standard that the jurors use. Y- you seem yeah is, is it do i have that right yeah so he starts with this uh it's almost an aphorism do i have that right an aphorism this is i'd rather 10 it's yeah, guilty it's, people go free than the one
1: innocent person go to jail yeah as a way to give voice to the intuition that it would be abominable uh, to have a criminal justice system where many people who are incarcerated and I think we're speaking of serious crimes here, that having many people uh, sitting in jail uh, as perpetrators of those crimes when in fact they didn't perpetrate them would be abominable. It would be a terrible thing, both for those individuals and because it would mean the perpetrators weren't sitting in jail, which would be sort of doubly horrifying. Uh, So yeah, one way to give voice to that Is to say, boy, I'd rather, you know, I want us, I want us to do so well at making sure we're convicting only the guilty that that we might let some guilty people go, rather than convict some innocent people. Yeah. So, so one way of looking at the
0: the criminal justice system is it, you know, it's a machine. You know, like all of law, it's a machine. Some information comes in and and a decision comes out, right? And in a in a, trial. Like a signal detection machine yeah, it, or an information processing machine and how should it work in a in a world of uncertainty that's kind of the engineering question here yeah. like how should this machine work in a in a world of uncertainty where you're never going to know for sure you know who pulled the trigger or what was in their heart when they pulled the and trigger and where you can be fairly sure to, you're
1: going to make at least you know you're going to make two kinds of mistakes pr- on a pr- pretty regular basis you're going to have false positives and false negatives mm-hmm. um and you're going to have true positives and true negatives. Those are great. Those aren't mistakes. So that's right. exactly what you want: some some true positives, some true negatives. But that in getting the mix of these things, uh, you're going to have some choices to make, and they and they interrelate, right? I, I might in my in my I might find ways to avoid one mistake, but that drive up the other. Yeah. Um. So you have to make choices. They're they're unavoidable. What about it? Uh, consumed so much of your afternoon i'm a little surprised to hear that
0: well yeah one of the things that one of the things that consume my afternoon with this is is trying to figure out so so the rest of his you know a lot of his email he goes into some statistics i mean with some probability stuff because the problem of wrongful wrongful conviction is is one of people making the wrong decision in the face of uncertainty and so there's a question like how do we understand what's going wrong there what level of certainty should we insist that people have in in these situations um, how, so there's that question. There's a question of how many people are actually sitting in jail who are innocent, a question of how many people went free after trial but were in fact guilty. Um, getting a handle on all these things is difficult. And I think intuitively, and I've always thought of it this way too, and this is, you know, I haven't practiced in, in criminal law really, Um is in terms of probability you know you, you want to think you know i'm ninety five percent certain something happened you know and if i'm then if if I'm that sure and the costs are even pretty high i'm willing to you know make that choice and I think on the show I mentioned um, the serial show to which he's giving some feedback on um, I kind of have have speculated before that that the we're willing to have a a, a lower threshold for conviction, a lower threshold of certainty, in part because we don't think we'll ever be subject to that kind of risk ourselves, and mm. that many of the people making that decision are pretty sure they'll never know anybody or care about anybody who will be subject to that kind of uh, threshold with the consequences that are waiting on the other side. You know, so what what are your chances of being rounded up as one of the usual suspects and the victim of wrongful eyewitness testimony? and Serving along prison sentence.
1: do you think people are consciously aware of that, or do you think it's an implicit because that's a pretty bloodless let me put my cards on the table mm-hmm. by saying, I think people who are consciously saying something like that to themselves about why they can therefore be rather lax in their standard for conviction that that's a rather appallingly bloodless way to be from in my to my ear. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't. Know. I don't need to worry about getting this wrong because it's not like it'll ever be me. That's that. Wow. That of course they're not. They,
0: they don't want to get it wrong. I mean, everyone wants to get it right. But ah, your, so your, your sense of what it means to get it right, I think, changes when you have skin in the game, so to speak. Right. So, it,
1: in one fashion or another, right. And there's different ways to construct that. Having quote skin in the game. Right. Maybe it's someone who's very much like the social groups that I'm a member of. Right. Um. And,
0: Right. And, and it, it just makes it more – it makes the consequences of failure more real and more vivid and seemingly more undeserved, especially than if you lump people in a group together as, as the usual suspects. You know, yeah, maybe they weren't guilty of that, but they were guilty of something else, you know, that kind of thinking. Uh, or, you know, I, I don't know. It just – there has to be something to explain the tolerance for putting people to death or putting them into long prison sentences on – even 5% uncertainty.
1: Yeah, like, why is it... I mean, when you think about it, why would you be willing to convict even five people who didn't do it? Right. And that's why, you know, I had this... Why would you be willing to convict any people who didn't do it? But, of course, that that way of formulating it, it sort of tries to deny the uncertainty. Yeah, and, and it ignores the costs of letting
0: someone go free who is a murderer. Which or is really whatever. bad, too. Right, I mean, you those costs kind of go hand in hand, right? Because um, if you lower the threshold, you get more guilty people, but you let more innocent people go. So we'll talk about this more in, in a second. But uh, I, I you know suggested in serial, in the serial show that, um, and, and I've written about that, you know, people ought to, you can't do it in a trial, but people ought to think about whether they're willing to take that bet for themselves. In other words, if I'm wrong about this, am I willing to go to prison for that length of time? So I'm, I think this guy's guilty. Well, how certain are you? Are you so certain that if you're wrong, you yourself are willing to go to prison and carry
1: out the sentence or someone that you love that if we, so, and, and a, so if we found out, right? right, right. If it
0: later came to light, would you be willing to take that bet? That's the question. Would you be willing to take that bet? And if not, then why are you willing to take the bet with this person's life? Yeah. Since you're not willing to take it with your own. Cause every criminal conviction is a gamble. Right. It's betting that person's life or welfare on a conclusion, a factual conclusion that you've made. Right. Right. And, and, yeah. there's, and there's no particular reason if that person is, in fact, innocent. why No, psychologically,
1: what is it like to say I would be willing? Yeah, I would take that bet. What it means is you never think it will happen. You never think it will come to light that they didn't do it. Because no one is going to want to put themselves in jail. Right. To serve someone else's sentence for a crime, they're quite certain they didn't commit. Right. And that's like, I, well, I, I know I didn't do it. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm not I'm one, I'm not willing to serve that person's sentence for it. Um, well, but you would be, I think you would take that bet if you could say, well, yeah, that's never going to happen. It's never going to come to light that this person didn't do it because this person did do it. Yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, that's when you psychologically, that's when you would take that bet. That's I'm trying to live inside that's a psychological your
0: model. narrative that you're telling yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
1: I'm trying to. I'm trying to get inside what it would
0: be like to be asked to take that bet. How about this one then? This I think I mentioned this am one. Am I get, am I getting that yeah. wrong? No, no. That that's, I think that's what people would be. Like, even if you tell them to take that bet, they, of course I'll take the bet because I didn't do it. Or you know, or maybe, maybe of course, I won't take that bet because I know this person did it. I mean, I, but what, what do you,
1: go ahead. What do what you think? I, okay, I guess I didn't succeed in describing what I was trying well, to Well, just, just say, say it again. You, you've tried to phrase it as asking a person whether they would be willing to gamble with their own freedom instead of somebody else's. Right. And I think that what that is, what that would really be like to be asked that Saying, you know, in essence, you shouldn't vote to convict unless you would be willing to serve that person's sentence if it came to light that they didn't do it. Right. Right. Under what circumstance Just me, Joe Miller, under what does that mean for me? Right. Well, what it means for me is that if I thought there yeah. were any possibility that it would come to light that they didn't do it, I wouldn't vote to convict. Right. Because I'm not willing to serve a sentence for that crime because I didn't do that crime.
0: Yeah, the law and which e- I know for sure. Right, and the law and economists would say that, that you don't have you don't have enough inducement to do it, right? Cuz the, the the benefit of putting a guilty person away is spread over everybody. Right? I mean, you're not going to take a you know, you're socially we should be willing to take the risk of some error in order to put the guilty away. But no one person is going to bet their life on a single convict, right? Mm. I mean, that, I'm not saying people actually think that way, but there's kind of a, kind of an economic-y way of thinking so about.
1: You, so the, maybe your metaphor it's of- It's a public good. Convictions is, are,
0: yeah. Convictions are a public good, and so you can't expect people to bear the full cost of accuracy. So I was going to change the hypo up a little bit to, to deal with that, and, um, where you're both externalizing the risk and the, um and the cost, but in a way that brings both maybe a little bit closer. So so, uh, and I think I mentioned this last time, but it's worth teeing up in light of what um, uh, Nicholas wrote. Uh, so imagine that you were told that if you got it wrong, there would be a drawing, and and the person randomly selected in the United States would have to carry out the sentence. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. So that you know it's not going to be you, right? Um, because there are so many people, but would that, I don't know Would that it's abstract, but it may be abstract in a way that makes you think about the risk more. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does it, what do you think? How would you think about it in that circumstance?
1: I think it makes it, um, I, what I think, what I like about it is it, it, it gets it away from the fact that it's a happenstance that I happen to be the person sitting here being asked to judge. Mm-hmm. And it could be anybody who's being asked to judge. Yeah. And rather than saying would I serve the sentence, saying, well, you know, anybody been a, could have been picked to judge it. Anybody could be picked to serve the sentence if it came to light that this was a mistake. So that seems to be more those two things seem to have a better symmetry. Yeah. Like everyone's at stake. Right. When anyone's at stake. Right. It,
0: and and it's a and it's just I, yeah, I, I was thinking maybe maybe it helps you realize that the person in front of you, if they are innocent, is being asked to make a sacrifice in order for the whole system to work. Yeah, and the and random they really drawing are. brings that home, right? That our system involves sacrifice to yeah. work. Yep, yep. Um, and it can't be otherwise. I mean, this is one thing we we talked about last time, right? If you have a criminal justice system, there will be people who go to prison or suffer consequences who, in fact, are innocent.
1: Yeah, in a weird way it is a, I mean asking a person to to um asking a it is a staggering thing when you think about it. Um like a person who is
2: wrongfully convicted and who know like who
1: knows it. Like there's not a question about their psychological capacity at some moment in time. They're they are correct they correctly know they did not do it. Yeah, and they're being imprisoned for it. Right. There's a sense in which a person it, it, it's it seems inhuman to to say it, but there's a sense in which that person you you could make the argument that the person should should acknowledge that well. Uh, you know, up until the day I'm taken away to the prison, I've been living in a society that had as one of its predicates the need to imprison people with less than certain information yeah and i've been getting the benefit of that social contract and and this and now i'm the price of that happens to be falling on me today yeah but the day before today it was falling on somebody else and the day after today it will fall on someone else again yeah and so i think that but it's Boy, that just seems so, like, who has that kind of equanimity and who, nobody? No, I mean, you would, it's
0: a, I mean, we, we we celebrate, one of the kinds of heroes that we celebrate in film and, and literature is the the wrongfully convicted person or the person who stands up for the wrongfully convicted person, because we recognize that it is. Um, yeah, like who keeps fighting? Yeah, it's, we recognize this is the greatest sacrifice in a way that we, you know, there are, Other people who sacrifice for our country and for other countries, but, but the wrongfully convicted is, is one such, is one such person who is scorned and not celebrated up until the moment of, if ever, and goodness knows how many people have died, never having cleared their names. And, um, so this is, it's a huge, uh, it is a huge sacrifice. But
1: it's one but, that. Yeah. But I guess I, I just feel like we, 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 when we say it's, we're acknowledging that the system requires sacrifice. Um, when we try to implement it in the real world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it sounds as if you could almost make the argument, like you could almost be standing in front of that person and say, "Look, I, I understand. I, let's assume you're wrongly convicted. You just got convicted. You're about to be dragged off to prison. I understand." You're telling me it's a mistake. Even if you're right that it's a mistake, you really should go peacefully because you yeah, really should accept that, you know, it could have been you a bunch of other times and it wasn't. Yeah, this is and, the, yeah. And you got the benefit of that. You lived in freedom in a system where one of the prices of that freedom was that some people were getting wrongly convicted.
2: Uh, you know, and now
1: it, And part of the reciprocity of that is now you're getting dragged off to jail. It's inconceivable that you would sit there and say that to that person. No, no, of course not.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, we are, we don't drag people off to jail unless we are convinced
1: beyond a reasonable doubt that they are guilty. Yeah, and that's the sense in which, I mean, one thing that I, that I definitely liked about the Nicholas email was that it was, by, 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 Engaging in some of the probability models and and there are lots of others too that evidence scholars use bayesian probability et etc um but but to me it kind sort of highlights the fact that there that probability as as natural a metaphor it is to to reach for um it it really just doesn't fit at some sen- in some sense but isn't that what we're doing i don't why does it not fit i mean it uh... it doesn't fit because it doesn't it doesn't capture the sense of what you just said which is we want to be sure morally we want to be sure i think that the me- but it's, so it's, not it's not one about of these probabilities myths it's one of these sense.
0: myths that that is insidious that we hold to that you know that there aren't guilty people in jail or or that if there are it was a but terrible you mean innocent people in jail yeah <laughs> There One hopes there are there many guilty yeah, people yeah, yeah, in jail. That, that there aren't uh, uh wrongfully convicted people in jail. And if there are, it will be discovered and it's a terrible mistake rather than a something that will happen in the system in the same way that we know that you know people driving will lead to you know tens of thousands of deaths, you know, probably about thirty thousand deaths this year, and that but we choose to do that. Um, we don't want them to happen, but we know that it will happen. Right. And similarly, operating this criminal justice system, we know that it will happen. Right. But maybe the measure of the moral worth of a society is not in is not in insisting that no innocent person is ever convicted. Um, But in, but in its efforts to avert that, right. And it's, um, you know, does it, does it treat criminal defendants as, uh, as if they were anyone else, right. Uh, As if it could be any of us, right. Does it, is that what the presumption of innocence really means? That that could be me up there, um, or? Uh, and I think
1: we're. Fa- I would say we're failing that test. Yeah, because I th- don't. I because my perception is, and I'm not an expert in it in any sense of the word, but my perception is that the criminal justice system is uh, is vastly under resourced with respect to, or uh, vastly under resourced in In the context where we would want to say everyone feels comfortable that with it, it as if it were them sitting in that sitting at that defendant's table hmm I don't think we're doing I don't think we're resourcing things that way. Why well, should we talk about his model can we before we do that can we say one thing that you said that was i think was fascinating is that we're like I think one reason why i this is perfectly obvious, but just to make sure it gets said like so, having a system, the only way to guarantee that no innocent persons are convicted is that no persons of any kind be convicted, right in other words, we'd have to shut the whole thing down yeah uh and that and that's monstrous, right. The prospect of not imprisoning any people who committed terrible crimes right is horrifying, right, like we would not want to live in that place right that that decided. Well, we just can't have a criminal justice system. No, right. <laughs> that would be really bad. Right. Um, and people just need to recognize uh, – it, it's important to recognize that because that's an adult way to conceive of the fact that we, we realize even in our imperfect world with our imperfect information, we're going to have to try to put criminals – we're going to have to try to correctly convict people who do bad right. things.
0: And to do this fairly,
1: I think, you know. Which means there are going to be people in prison who didn't do it. Yeah. Who, who are wrongly convicted. It's, it's going to happen. But it's like the attitude. I mean, that was,
0: the, that was the thing about some of the stuff that came out in Serial that was disappointing, right? It's the attitude of prosecutors in terms of building cases, right? Like, you've got your guy, and now you're going to build a case against this person to convict him or her, right? And it's instead of searching for the truth um right and and then after the convicted you know even when some of these people who were the innocence start to be clearer and clearer the prosecutors almost get more committed to hanging on to the yeah, conviction in a lot of cases these are weird kind of twisted yeah really and there are cases where of course they did something immoral uh withheld evidence well right and then they're found, and, and right. they're found out and they're found out and they i don't know if they have uh, i forget whether it i know there's been talk about Trying some prosecutors for some of these
1: and then things. and there were headlines about this fairly routinely, yeah, where and it can be in murders, but it can be in all kinds of other cases too well one, one thing that Nicholas does is he starts from this aphorism about ten
0: guilty people going free before we convict one person, right, and could that be like if you try to turn that into something like a, a model, how do you get from there to the to what reasonable doubt should mean right yeah, and it was interesting you know and he gave some figures for. What what it should be, and I kind of went through and I made a um, yeah the equivalent of a kind of spreadsheet, and and I'll probably post this. Um, but under under the model that he uses, it actually doesn't matter what the standard for reasonable doubt is, All right? So so here's the 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 model I think that is behind um, Nicholas's email, which gets at like how many innocent people are going to be convicted under various standards that the jury uses, and and he importantly adds right what really matters as well. Is the array of people put in front of the jury by prosecutors right, and so you can think of that in terms of prosecutorial accuracy, and then you can think of uh judicial accuracy or maybe the, or juridical you know the jury's accuracy or the fact finder whoever that is right right those are kind of two steps in the process and for someone to be convicted, right both of those decision makers have to be have to agree right a prosecutor has to bring the person to trial, and then the uh, uh, the decision maker at trial has to decide to convict. Right? Yes, and uh, the the model Nicholas sent, which is actually you know it's fascinating just to look at. It's almost like a lower bound on error in terms error in terms of conviction. Uh, so so one way you might think of it is that the jury is trying to predict is trying to reach a certain level of certainty, right? A particular level of certainty, whether it's ninety five percent, ninety percent, whatever it is. Right. Uh, you can put it in words if you don't like numbers. Um, but they see a case and they're trying to guess about guilt or innocence, given given that information. And they, as a decision maker, may be more or less accurate, right? And hopefully they, deciding on 90%, They if they knew themselves very well, and they knew the complete state of the world, other than the facts, here, they would be able to make that assessment accurately. Uh, clearly, if we said, you know, just go with your gut, whatever you think, maybe that would be 50%, I don't know what it would be, but you know, there's a whole speech from the judge about Reasonable doubt and what it means and what it doesn't mean and I don't know where that gets them, um. But if they have a uh, if in their assessment there they are completely different than the judge than the prosecutor, completely independent. You know, under this model, the jury is a machine for rendering a certain kind of decision, and it's has a particular accuracy, and the prosecutor is a machine which has a certain kind of accuracy, and we just kind of shove cases through those two machines and a conviction is going to incur when those machines both say guilty. Right. Right. Um, of course, that's not the way that it works, right? Because prosecutors <laughs> and juries can be wrong about a case for some of the same reasons. Yes. Like eyewitness testimony and et cetera. And so um, one would expect that um, that the wrongfully convicted right appeal as a target to prosecutors and to juries for, against for some of the same reasons. And
1: so this model where, yeah, they might have some of the same mistaken beliefs about human behavior. They might have some of the same mistaken beliefs about um, the, the, you know, the tendency of some crimes to occur in some contexts, right. As opposed to other contexts. Right. Um, and so if there's any correlation between, the prosecutor's tendency to make a mistake and the jurors tendency to make or the jury's tendency to make a mistake right then that's something you need to take into account if you're trying to figure out all right you know wh- how do how how do i want to instruct a jury about how confident they should be
2: mhm
1: yeah you well, can assume independence of of accuracy or you could relax that assumption and right. say, oh, no, actually, maybe their accuracy is correlated, right, in some systematic way.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, and and
1: so this is the,
0: his email proceeds as if they're completely separate, though, right? And it's it, you know, you right. it, it assumes which, independence. Of if the, if, of if you have a machine which is accurate seventy percent of the time, and then a second machine which is accurate seventy percent of the time, you put those two machines together, they're going to be accurate what forty nine percent of the time, right? Um, but anyway, I've done the little. The math here on this, and it's what's interesting is ten guilty people going free for every innocent person convicted. It is completely dependent on the on the prosecutor on the first stage. Once you've and and he actually did the math on that, and I think it's what ninety. They have to be ninety point nine o nine o nine o percent accurate. If they are ninety point nine o nine o nine o percent accurate, then. 10 guilty people will go free for every innocent person convicted. And it doesn't matter what the jury's
1: standard is. doesn't matter at all because, it's, um, because that prosecutor step plays such a large role? No, it doesn't matter at all because
0: um, the number of, of guilty people who go free divided by the number of innocent people who are, who are convicted, um, that ratio doesn't change with the erroneous conviction rate. If a prosecutor is 70% accurate, meaning 70 uh, out of 100 people, 70 of them will be factually guilty, 30 thirty will be factually innocent, um, then 2.333 or two and a third guilty um, people will go free for every one person wrongfully convicted. Now, if the jury is 80% accurate as a, as a machine, right,
1: then it turns out about 10% of the people in jail will be innocent.
0: If we up the jury's accuracy a little bit, let me just you're
1: saying, and you're holding the prosecutor's accuracy constant. Yes.
0: Right. So the, the prosecutor is, is 70% accurate there. Okay. So, and if we, if we, um, if the jury now becomes 90% accurate, okay, still 2.333, two and a third guilty people for every person that goes free.
1: But now 4.5% of the people in jail are factually innocent. So it changes the absolute number of people in jail who are innocent. That's right. It but changes. it doesn't change the ratio. It
0: doesn't change the ratio of guilty going free. So an errone- a jury, which is really bad, is going to set a lot of guilty people free, but it's also going to convict a lot of innocent people, right? right? And those, <laughs> those numbers right. are both changing at the same rate. Because they're both – and they're both mistakes because they're, both, so they're be- both getting made. Right. So um, – and I'll put this – it's kind of interesting to play with. I, I even looked up to figure out how many felony trials there were in the U.S. everywhere, every year. And I found this one thing. I don't know if this is accurate. It says about 70,000 is what this said. Right? Okay. So assume that the police are 70% accurate. And by police, you were saying prosecutor before. Pro- yeah, prosecutor is police. I mean the whole so machine – The thing that produces someone to be tried. Exactly, that okay. thing. That, if that's 70% accurate – And let's just assume the juries are 90% accurate. Let's stay with what I just had. And they're independent. Right. The accuracies are independent. And they're independent. Uh, Uh, Then we would have every year 2,100 innocent people convicted. Now, what happens if we relax the
1: assumption that the errors are independent?
0: Well, I want to get to that in a second. I just Let me give you one more example because let me just – if you don't mind. I, just want I don't to, mind at all. So that, let's do the 909090 thing. This is uh, – the prosecutor is about 91% accurate so that we um, – if you assume this, then about 10 guilty people go free for every innocent person convicted. Okay. Okay? And let's assume the jury is also um, 90% accurate. Okay. Then out of our 70,000 felony trials each year, mm-hmm. we're going to get about 636 – wrongful convictions. It's about one percent. A little bit more than one percent. Right. Um I'm not sure juries are that accurate. Um so if you relax that a little bit to, I don't know, seventy percent accurate. I mean you heard the kinds of things that they looked for in the serial podcast. Like why didn't he take the stand? Right. You know, these so if they're then then it rises to about four point one percent. And out of those seventy thousand felony trials, we have Nineteen hundred people who are wrongfully in jail, uh, and I'm assuming that all the felonies go. to – They obviously are not like not all these felony things go to jail, and there are other sources. and And this is just a, a silly model to begin with. But it's um, you start to see the human costs of this thing, right? I mean, obviously that last number is not zero, <laughs> right? Right? It's it, it's that's a lot. There are a lot of yeah. innocent people in jail. Yes, and and there's also some reach. I think I cited some of this in that post a while back, but there's been some some extrapolation. Well, that's the wrong word, but they've done some interesting studies using like medical methodologies on survival and things to try to estimate given the exonerations that we've had so far, what mm. can we say about how many guilty people are in death row? And the number that I saw how was many, like, how many innocent people are? in death? Row? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do I keep saying guilty? Yeah. Yeah. It's been that kind of week, Joe. And, um, it's about 4.3% or something like that. This is on death row where you think we would put, more resources than right. anywhere else into getting it right so there are um anyway this is interesting to play with and i'll, I'll put the little scheme that i cool. put up here up on on the web and I, I might be able to do it in excel or something but I've, right. I've done it in this interesting little app with that lets you do it by text so i'll see what i can do uh, but you can play with the numbers and see if we were able to control these things you know what would we do uh, you know what would the results be I think that understates the number of wrongful convictions, though, for the reason that you were asking about when you said, "Can we move to
1: if these things are actually correlated?" Right. Right. Um, if, in, the, if the prosecutor's tendency to err and the jury's tendency to err are interrelated, right? Because they're they're, mis- they're they're believing some of the same wrong things, right, about the world.
0: And yeah, and the, which is exactly. almost certainly true. It's almost
1: certainly true, and.
0: You know you might get some juries which are naturally distrustful of the police and likely to err in favor of acquittal and, and and but I think mostly not, right? I think most of the error is in favor of conviction. in other words, to convict is to agree with the state. it's to agree with the prosecutors right Yes, and so I think the this very simple model has clearly the flaw that it just has a jury error rate like given a given an input, how often does it make a mistake um, whereas I think there are the the uh, juror tendency to convict wrong wrongly to err on the side of conviction is a different thing than erring on the side of acquittal, and so I think there are just different kinds of cases that come up, right? Mm-hmm. And those cases push on those two different kinds of error tendencies. Where as a lot of a lot of cases might be right down the middle, right, where there's just no question they're not they're not really being asked to believe the police or to believe the you know a lot of cases are probably. Pretty easy, but anyway, I would want to get someone who does a lot of this, or is a statistician or criminologist, on here to, uh, to to talk more about this. But because I think they make errors for the same reason, and because I think they're more prone to making errors in favor of conviction than innocence, I think these this little exercise dramatically understates um, the you know the number of wrongful wrong convictions. Uh, at least as as compared to the number of wrongful acquittals.
1: And it would appear that as a body politic, uh, since I don't think this problem has been hiding under a bushel, um, it would appear where we don't have the wherewithal to change the state of affairs. I, I don't. I think the innocence stuff is gaining steam. It is, and I and I think it's good that when it comes to the death penalty, which is what the Innocence Projects seem to focus on, are death cases, right? Uh, and maybe maybe they also focus on life imprisonment cases. I'm, I don't know, but to the extent that they focus on death cases, yeah, it, it's it is it is good that in that context, where the ultimate punishment is on the is on offer, yeah, like this is what's going to happen, right? Um, that focuses us sufficiently to continue to uh, try to ascertain whether the person really is uh, the perpetrator.
0: Yeah, I mean they've you know, a lot of the headlines are obviously death row exonerations, but they've done a lot of work with with uh, long prison sentence, you know, rape cases and others where where DNA provides an easy mm. answer. And they've done, I think, they've gone beyond DNA to look at bad eyewitness. So this is not. I think the the scope is expanding as you get more of these projects throughout the country and we'll need someone on the show to to speak more to what they're doing uh what they're doing now. Um but it's um you know it is and and maybe it's also connected to the dramatically decreasing crime rate. Uh, oh, yeah. you know as and for whatever reason the, you probably read stuff about the connection between lead and crime that Kevin Drum <laughs> keeps harping on I, yeah. which I think he's, you know, yeah, I'm, if I had to bet, I'd bet that he's correct about that. But for whatever reason, crime, violent crime rates have been plummeting. And as people are less fearful, I think we can see it. You know, If we think of it like a sacrifice, think about being in the heat of battle. You just expect sacrifice from people, right? right. I mean, I'm watching the 11 o'clock news every night back in the 80s, and there are all, all these murders, and they're flashing you – know, the, you have the little stations, Chiron, down at the bottom, and the blue flashing headlights. And you just know every show is going to be about murders and rapes in your neighborhood people are scared right and it's like we need to put away the bad guys right and 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 if you and if you pushed me would you take that bet you know there was a point in our history a recent history where i bet a lot of people would take that bet because we got to put away the bad guys and if the and if what it means is uh that for everyone that we find out was wrong we have to like tie someone to a rock like in that movie dragon slayer are you familiar with it joe (laughs) I'm sure I've seen it. I've seen most bad movies. We got to, we got to sacrifice the, uh, you know, we got to sacrifice the, in that, in that case, always the young actress, young actress to the dragon. Mm. Uh, So if we have to do that, then, then we'll do it because we need to live. Yeah. We can't live this way. I don't, but now I think, you know, I, I would hope people are becoming slightly less fearful and with less fear comes a greater, you know, tolerance to, either spend social resources on getting it right or even maybe, maybe
1: even tolerating fewer um convictions
0: of the of the guilty.
1: I don't know what do you think? I share your hope that with a greatly falling crime rate. And it I've heard it said recently, I wish I'm trying, I'm searching my mind I remember where where uh, my my sense is that the, that there that there are not very good explanations for you mentioned the Kevin Drum one, but that that the people who look at this seriously can are, are actually having a fair bit of trouble explaining why why it's falling why yeah. it's fallen to the degree that it has i mean some of it is demographics yeah. uh, in terms of you know younger people commit more crime all other things being equal yeah. uh, blah 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 but the, but that this is actually
0: hard to explain i would like to think it's also due to the because i would also like to believe in this other effect you know iqs are going up over time dramatically mm. and so, you know, I don't know, maybe, 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 we're, maybe and, we're getting smarter as a species. Right. And, and whatever you think about IQ, I know, I mean, it, yeah. you know.
1: So, so anyway, I, I mean, I, I share your hope that as, um, as people's perception of the personal risk to them of the incidence of major crimes or serious crimes, uh, as, as people become, as people perceive that the crime rate is falling and it is in fact falling, uh, if, that pre- if that creates a little bit more breathing room to take a make a sober reevaluation yeah. of the extent to which we're probably putting innocent people in jail and and what a horror that is that we're doing that yeah um, I, yeah i hope that we do find ways to ameliorate that to do it less because it's truly terrible and part of it's having a clear sense of the costs too right i mean it's
0: it's knowing how many innocent people are convicted it's not it's not so rare that every time it happens we make an inspiring movie about the person right <laughs> we just we don't have the resources to do that it's it's more common and and then figuring out the connection between that problem and how it happened and 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 maybe recognizing what the inevitable consequence of our kind of probability standards or our standards for certainty with you know having a and 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 there's a problem with that because Probability is oftentimes somewhat counterintuitive. Like once there are a few layers of it, it's easy to kind of lose the, lose the thread and the chain of causation between connecting things. And True. this is the other part of Nicholas's email. And it, and it I'll also link up a great um, uh, episode of – I think it's on Philosophy Bites about the philosophy of probability, which is really interesting. Hmm. Uh, there, there's uh, – you know, you and I had a conversation with a listener one time. We won't say who. Debating this whole probability oh, yeah. thing, no, right? Right, not, right? I just remember who you're talking. Yeah, about. what it means to say that. Um, let me. Should we? Can I just say this? Because this is well. Let me just say what Nicholas said, and then and then I'll raise this, and, we, and we'll end the show because this is this is going on. But um, uh, one of the things he puts in there about this is probability and how it's difficult to get get people to think about probability in the right way. So let me run through both examples. So let's so uh, let's suppose there's a witness who's accurate in identifying cab color in the dusk 60% of the time. Of the number of cabs in the city, 70% are yellow and 30% are black. And the witness identifies the cab as black, right? So 60% accurate in terms of predicting and says, I saw a black cab. Now, how confident are we that the person actually saw a black cab? Let's suppose the jury somehow even knew that this person correctly identified cabs 60% 60% of the time. Okay. Right. Is the probability that the actual cab that the witness saw was black over 50%? And he says, no, no, it's actually less than 40%. <laughs> right. The probability that that cab, given the, given the cab viewers. And so there's, well, I'm not going to go into the probability over right. the radio, but, uh, um, but that it's, it's super interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, you know how we make these inferences and, some Maybe some of the low-hanging fruit, and this was I think, part of what his email was about. Maybe some of the low-hanging fruit is not just the stuff that we know people pay too much attention to, like eyewitness testimony. And the, all that is surely low-hanging fruit. But there are also probabilistically wrong inferences that people make all the time. And is there a way of finding out the important probabilistic inferences that people make and fixing it either by queuing them or instructing right. them or, or something you know and he gives another example about vaccines that people are probably familiar with but
1: and the thing that i was saying before when i was talking about probability not maybe not being a helpful way to talk about it i mean what if it turns out that the best way to stop the, the best way to get people to to stop making these sort of uh demonstrably probabilistically incorrect inferences is to stop talking about probabilities. Because that is, in fact, not a helpful way to get people to try to think of it. Right that they're n- that they're actually not trying to think of that until you ask them to, and then once you ask them to, it turns out they're bad at it. What if instead, what people tend to do is think in terms of what's the story that best explains all the facts we know? Mm-hmm. Like here are the things we we know because they seem verified in a way that makes sense given how i live my life, right? right. so it seems like these are the facts that i'm that i'm confident in. now given those facts that i'm confident in, what story about what happened explains fully those facts? second, how many of those stories are there? right? that do a really great job explaining all the facts that i know. yeah. well, if it turns out there's only one such story that does a great job, or it turns out there are ten such stories that do a great job. Well now I'm you're giving me a way to talk about how sure I am that isn't really about probabilities. Right. It's about experience that's, yeah, and narrative. That's exactly and this is I I think we mentioned this in the last episode that
0: part of the frustration with what happened in in whatever what actually happened between Adnan and Hay and these yeah, I don't know. but... The the way the jurors talked about it and the way that it was prosecuted, there seems to be a dramatic failure of imagination to imagine those possible worlds, right? I mean – because that's – you're giving kind of a – it's not that you're eliminating probability, but you're kind of transforming it into kind of an evaluation of all the possible worlds and then trying to figure out like which of these makes sense. And that's – you have to go through that process of figuring out, well – what are some other things that might have happened? What are the narratives? You know, right? What are the what is the set of accounts that I can? And it's actually right, you're generate? not the
1: only one who has to do it. Of course, you you of have course. help, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Defense one attorneys. the <laughs> lawyer for one side <laughs> right. is in the room, right. Trying to persuade you that the story that best explains all the things we know is definitely the story yeah. that means he did it. Yeah, right. What's and this? the other lawyer is trying to. Now, I think it also explains why no matter how you isn't this what happens, yours, let me finish. Okay. I, I think it also explains why no matter what you tell jurors, they are naturally frustrated when they do not hear from the defendant. Yeah. Because they feel like that person has a lot to say about a story that helps explain the facts we know. Right. And you feel like you're not hearing, like, wait a minute, this is one of the most important stories that's in the, that could be possible in the room and you're not telling me. Yeah. What are the set of stories you might be thinking as a juror what
0: are this what are the set of stories which are possible what are what are the set of worlds that are possible here that are consistent with your deciding that the best way to get off uh, of these charges is not to tell me anything <laughs> right i mean right. like a regular if you don't know anything about law and how these things work and the wrong inferences people make and and the fact that once you're on the stand you can get all these other things out which take advantage of people you know what i mean is you know that you're going to get all these old convictions coming in and all these right, things for, which are right well for on, a right.
1: legally unsophisticated person right. they're, they're, the story in their mind that explains why you're not testifying is that you did it right
0: and if this and and part of that is you you know you're worried that some of the people who hear maybe there are people in the jury who once they hear that you sold cocaine you know the the set of stories that they're willing to tell about you <laughs> becomes different in a way that legally it shouldn't because we know the way the mind concocts stories, right? right?
1: And, well, and that certainly interacts with who the jury, who, who's in the jury pool, like mm-hmm. to the degree that there are people in the jury pool who also either use or sell or both cocaine, right? That they're willing to believe a different set of things, right? Like a cocaine about what happened. Right.
0: <laughs> Not every cocaine dealer carries a gun and would be shooting in the situation and you know but the jury is going to pull together things you know what are the chances that the police nab this guy and he's got a rap sheet a mile long they're thinking of those as independent things whereas again <laughs> the police are
1: working on the same kind of assumptions that right. the jury is right so I only may I only mentioned the story idea and the competing the competing stories that are equally good at explaining the things we think we know for sure. Yeah. Um, as a as an alternative for for because you, you were saying you know how do you how can we get people to not make these probabilistic mistakes? Well. And and just to I know I'm being repetitive, but but it's but maybe by not drawing them down the probability yeah. road in the first place, yeah. since that is, doesn't seem to be how people talk or think. I, I I believe that we tend to focus more on the what pulls things together are stories about people's choices. So would you and would you, people's motivations? Given and, what
0: you, yeah, given what you say, would you would you be supportive of an instruction that told jurors? here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the room and figure out if you can tell a story about the situation in which the defendant is not guilty. That is, that does not appeal to all of that does not appear to all of you as fanciful, or you might choose another name other than fanciful or, right. you know, just, um,
1: can I tell you how I would phrase it? Yeah. Cause I think I know where you're going with this. Okay, go ahead. I think, I think right now sitting here, I'd want to think more about it, but sitting here, it seems to me that one way you could say it would be, um, you know, if, if you can think of a story of innocence that's at least as plausible as the story of guilt, uh, you, you absolutely have to let the person go. Oh, that's a pretty high standard. I mean, like at least as plausible? I would say that has any plausibility. Um, okay. F- friendly amendment, right? If you can think of a story of innocence that's plausible, um, you have to let the person go. And maybe I think you- that's, that's setting the bar very high for conviction. That isn't crazy. I would even now, say it crazy. T- maybe you would say, m- and so my alternative was, uh, w- was a little bit more open to conviction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so w- this would be interesting to talk about the difference between these two and w- why one of them is better than the other. But I feel like at least we'd be having a good conversation about how people actually think. Right. Because, because it would be about weighing the plausibility right. of stories. Because the job is being done not by computer
0: models, although <laughs> maybe we get into the AI stuff at some point, uh, um, and maybe people are computers, but uh, but n- but not by um, calculating models, calculating percentages, but like by human beings. Right. And so you're trying to get a human being to produce an output that we are socially comfortable with right? guilty or innocent. We don't know what it is, but we want the output that you come out with on the whole to be socially acceptable. How do we get them to do that? And you can control the information like all the rules of evidence are built around. Getting the right inputs into these human machines, right, in order to make decisions which we feel have at least the right grounds, where those grounds are calculated to produce acceptable results, mm-hmm. and and what I hear you saying is that you should, you know, the de- you know we might disagree a little bit on the details, is that we should tell people, give them this metadata or this meta information about how to process all the other information they've had, which you know which feeds into the human psyche. In a way that teases, that says, "Look, don't try to be the machine." Which, like a weather forecaster, will say, "There's a seventy percent chance of rain" or something like that, right? Uh, instead, you know, uh, y- you've been outside today, right? You've you've been you've lived around here. You've seen the sky. Do you think it's going to rain in the next hour? Like I mean, you ask people to say what to assign a probability to that and no one's gonna be able to do it maybe that's you know beyond a reasonable doubt is not and you will get all kinds of lists because i know there are people who say it's not it's never been about probability it's not about probability i actually think it, at some deep level it is about probability but it's talked about in a different way right and so if you ask somebody is it going to rain they'll give you a yes or no but i don't know that they're you know if the sun's shining and it's bright you know do you have any is it's gonna it's not gonna rain for the next 20 minutes beyond a reasonable doubt You know what I mean, and I haven't done a, I haven't worked through a a, um a a a percentage model there. I don't know. I mean, in other words, I'd have to tell a pretty wacky story for all of a sudden the sky to turn green and then black and then storm all in like two minutes.
1: Something would have to happen that I've never seen before. Yeah, and 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 when a person says that, like, does it like, do you think it's going to rain? No, I don't think it's going to rain. They're sure that they think it isn't going to rain. There's no. It's like, well, I'm 90% sure that I think it's not going to rain. No, I would tell, like, (laughs) I tell you, I think it's going to rain or not. Yeah. And I think it, something similar is at work. And you know, do I think he did it or not? I think we need to show on the on on the philosophy of probability. That'd be great. I would love that. Let's leave it with this with this
0: argument that we had not too long ago. Not, not, not you and me. I think we agree, but I'm not sure. Like neither of us is a tort scholar. True. Let's you know. Let's put that right out there. Yeah. I think everyone already knew that, but yeah. Yeah. Let's, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll we'll report that. People know I'm kind of a dope. You keep the show on the on the rails, Joe. I think people know that. I don't know, about that, Uh but. but so we had this debate among I think non-lawyers. We were debating with some non-lawyers mm-hmm. who were and some lawyers both. Maybe they were law curious though. Let's just say. <laughs> But certainly not lawyers and and hadn't been through the gauntlet of of
1: learning like the learned hand formula and all of that I'm Zen curious <laughs> well, I'm a Unitarian universalist I think but i'm but I'm Zen curious so i'm so I understand your formulation your law curious formulation I'm, I'm not going to add to that conversation,
0: okay. Uh, so I, I, it, correct me you want me to set this you correct me if I'm wrong in terms of the way that it was set up because it was a very interesting thing So, uh, the, I will to the best of my recollection so um, well let's just say this a, a person a witness sees a bus clearly driving negligently or something like that and just creams uh, or runs into something Could be pro- it doesn't have to no. be a person like, swirming all a, around yeah let's say they damaged some property and so there's a tort suit right, right? someone whose property was damaged uh, another person saw the bus Swerving
1: all around, and then the bus drives off. Swerving all, yeah, yeah. So and you can't
0: actually get the actual bus. Suppose there are ten bus companies. One of them is a solid red bus. The mm-hmm. others are all you know different colors. Okay, okay. And uh, the one that's a solid red bus ha- has sixty percent of the market, right? And let's even say on that route, represents sixty percent of the bus traffic.
1: Okay, so far so good. So, the, so by the, saying the sixty percent twice, you didn't mean to say 0.36. You meant to say. We're really sure that on this part of town, right. you know, three of f- five buses right. are red. Right. Right. And, and, and the witness saw
0: a bus cream the piece of property. Right. So there's no question that a bus did it. Right. There's no question that 60% of the buses that go down that way are from this one company. Right.
1: And, and no you chance witness, it was
0: a non-bus. No, no chance it was a non-bus. Or a non-event. You asked the it wit- really happened. Right. It was really a bus. You asked the witness what color was the bus. I don't know. Maybe they didn't get a good look, maybe they're colorblind, but you show them all the pictures, the whole lineup of all the buses, they can't, it could have been any of them. It could have been any of those, but I know it was a bus, right? And maybe there's, maybe there are two or three, maybe there are even 10 witnesses who all say it was a bus, none of them can provide any additional information. So we are very confident that a bus ran into this thing, right? We are, maybe, (laughs) this is the thing, we are I think 60% sure that it was this red bus, one of one of the red buses from the red bus company. Should they be liable in tort? And in and in tort, unlike um unlike criminal law where we've been debating the standards and people think it's ninety five percent, whatever it's beyond a reasonable doubt, obviously. In torts, it's fifty percent plus until yeah, it's, it's preponderance. Like is it more likely than not? Right. You can even uh, say a mere preponderance. Is it, is it more likely that than not that the defendant um is responsible? You know, I'm not gonna go through approximately cause the injury, blah, 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 in defenses. But uh is it more likely than not that this is this is the case? Uh, and the non-lawyers push back on the idea that the red bus company should be liable. And I actually don't know. Maybe we'll hear from some tort scholars that that I've forgotten something from my first year of law school. Right. And in fact, without more, you can't set. You can't just deduce that from that kind of evidence. But, but how I it don't feels see why to not.
1: me sitting here is, if what you care about in tort law is is asking the person who can best bear a loss to bear it, then it seems fairly straightforward to me that the red bus company is liable but what if um but, but if you if you think tort law is mostly about making sure a la criminal law that that someone who actually did a wrong is held to account for it right um then knowing that three of the five in town are red doesn't feel like it gets you all that much because what you want to know is who really did it not not the base rate on buses in town
0: yeah Right, I mean, it's. But still- what if we changed it though, Joe, to uh, a homeless person who wears a certain kind of shirt or something like that, you know? And maybe there are, are a few, but maybe one of them goes to on the street more often than the others, and you have all kinds of evidence about that. How you know? And and some someone who wore a shirt of the kind that that homeless person wore, wears beat somebody up. I don't know. And well, we're back to criminal law now. No, yeah, but no, this is, but this will be a tort suit for it, right? Oh, it's a battery yeah, and, suit. And forget the fact that they're judgment proof. I mean, it's a stupid example from the beginning. I'm just trying to replace
1: the bus company with someone who isn't. Um, yeah, but that's not a negligence. Battery and negligence are different to me. Negligence, I was saying in tort, if, if you're, yeah, yeah, but if it, you're focusing your negligence, okay. It's an intentional tort case. You're telling you me still, I'm fighting the hypo. Well, it's so an I intentional tort case. To. You still need more likely than not,
0: right? But maybe it's negligence. I don't just replace the bus company with a person who is actually less rich than the alternatives. Okay, right? Um so you can't it, it's questionable whether we should use richness in any event to assign among possible, you know, um tortfeasors. There was something about the pushback from from these non-lawyers which, you know, you started to put into words when I cut you off that that was uh in a way compelling, right? I mean that we want some kind of there's some there's some kinds of evidence that go to moral blameworthiness in a way that others don't in the human mind, right? Isn't
1: that what you were getting at? Yeah, that it's retrib- the notion of retribution. It's critical that you that you actually hold to account the person who did it and not anybody else. Yeah, so it's a lot different than those DES cases
0: that, that cause birth defects. These medications. What was it? What was DES? Uh, Thalidomide. Yeah, yeah some, some medication and pregnant women took it. And An anti-nausea birth medication, yeah. I think. And a bunch of people made this stuff, right? And maybe they did this with asbestos too. But they I don't couldn't know.
1: tell which person had
0: had which company had made the very medicine you took right and a lot of people were sick and so they assigned liability and but they know that like one company had 30 percent of the market another had 20 and another had 30
1: and then another had so that's what you do you hold all the bus companies in town liable and you allocate it according to like the red company has to pay three-fifths right the other companies maybe that's what you do all the bus companies in town are liable, but it's because like, you're sure it's a bus. So, what's the
0: role of probability? That's the interesting thing here. And so, I'm sure anybody, even who teaches first year torts, could probably give us an easy answer to what the right answer yeah. is. I, I would be surprised if it were not that the red bus company is is liable. Uh, but the DES case shows something different because in the DES case, you see that the difference is that you know that the company, even that has two percent of the market and sold two percent of the pills, injured two percent of the people, or you know, or at least <laughs> or whatever had, the rate is, whatever, whatever the rate is of injury drug, times two percent, right. right? And we we know that this right. happened, and um, whereas you know,
1: um, whereas a bunch of those buses didn't, didn't hit anybody, anything. didn't hurt anybody, right. didn't right, and have, you can have, change
0: the buses into individuals if you think the company should, you know. Right. E- e- because then you're really going to be visiting you're going to be asking for a sacrifice,
1: mm. yeah, and in that sense, tort and criminal really are just two slices of the very same thing,
0: yeah, even without like even without just saying, well, torts is what happens when you have a fifty percent standard, and <laughs> criminal is what you have when you have a ninety five percent standard that's one way of looking at another way of looking at it is they are you know both about reallocations of things in order to accomplish good you know right. objectives yeah. that, that necessarily include sacrifice. Indeed,
2: hmm.
0: I feel like we ought to have a show about that. I'd like some listener feedback on that on that bus example. and it, 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 even if you're not a tort scholar, because I'm sure you know there's a ready-made torts answer here, and it might even be persuasive. I mean, it, but it, I suspect that there are different views about that, I mean that, that are whatever answer the law gives, there are other answers which are interesting. So I'd like to hear what other people think in general. I know what my, I know what our mutual friend thinks and what is that consternation that there could be liability (laughs) you're talking about the non-lawyer friend yeah the non-lawyer friend
1: yeah you just don't have anybody saying you know it, it doesn't seem like evidence yeah like you'd be you'd be if you make the red bus company pay you're doing that in a circumstance where no one actually said the red bus company did it yeah and of course and that's not the point the point is find out who really did it and there's real i think there's a but, but this person yeah, and there. this person
0: didn't didn't object to the idea of circumstantial evidence but there was something about just the raw probabilistic fact right that didn't seem like the right kind of evidence to assign and when the what eyewitness says judgment. i can't say yeah
1: it's, that seems like wow and then i even tried
0: in the conversation i think to say there's a loss here and all the law is doing is trying to decide where you know, so you say that's not the right kind of evidence, but why should we leave all of that loss on the, the victim? Right. Right. I mean, they, you know, that's – this is the – For the sake of better evidence. Right. This is like saying, well, we shouldn't sacrifice anybody in criminal law, but we, what about the victims and the future victims? And right. The, you know, right. What do you want to do now? Stop. <laughs> <laughs>